take your Bibles and turn immediately to Galatians chapter 3, and it seems like every, every other week or every third week we have a lesson on Galatians in this whole uh, 2019, I guess, and this is our, our third chapter and it's on the subject of bewitched, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a few seconds here. We looked at a message, Born Free, and... Uh, uh, born free in uh, the fight for liberty in chapter number two. And Paul is, that's the Apostle Paul, of course, is defending the faith, once delivered for the saint, to the saints, of course. And I'd like to read verses seven, or let's start at verse number six, rather, to verse 14 tonight. And uh, we looked at verse number one in some detail three weeks ago, or two weeks ago when we preached last. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. That word be, bewitched, of course, means to have the, it's the only time we find it in our Bible, it's the word to hypnotize. It's, uh, God says, don't be, don't be bewitched. My son-in-law, I didn't know I was going to get the call today and talk to him, and he was going to tell me he got saved. He'd, he'd been bewitched. He'd been hypnotized and thinking, well, I must be a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. I've been going to church ever since I was in the nursery. I learned hundreds of verses, and uh, I play the part. I'm a good man, and uh, I'm a good father, a good husband, and uh, a good Navy man, and all the rest. And uh, I said, maybe he, he, Satan was deceiving him the whole time. And uh, he was relying on his works righteousness, essentially, but he, he got saved. And Paul's chiding these Galatians back to our text now. He says that salvation is of the of the spirit of uh, the Spirit of God, of course, verse 3. So we looked at the personal argument, and I'm just spending about two minutes in review now, if we can do that. Notice uh, near the top of the page again, Galatians 3, we have three arguments that prove that salvation is by faith in Christ alone, without the works of the law. And we looked at the personal argument. We gave six questions two weeks ago. Paul asks the question in a roundabout way, or in a direct way, I guess I should say, verse 1, who died for your sins? Did we die for our sins? If we did die for our sins, could we atone for our sins? The answer is no, of course not. We're sinners. We deserve to die. We asked, secondly, the second question he asked is, how did you get the Spirit? And we talked about the ways that people think they get the Spirit, and then we know how we really get the Spirit, by being born again, by being born by the Spirit. Uh, we're baptized into the Spirit, and we're sealed by the Spirit. We saw a third question that he asked, is how can you be so spiritually senseless? How can you be so foolish? You used that word twice. And that's kind of strong talk, to say the least. And he called them senseless, foolish, oh, foolish Galatians. The fourth question was, does your perfection come from the flesh or the spirit? Are you, you that know, were made perfect in the spirit, now made perfect in the flesh? The answer is, of course not. No good thing can come from the, from the flesh. Then we looked at verse 4, have you experienced so many things in vain? You've had miracles that have happened. You've had great things in vain and uh, great things that have happened to you. And did they happen to you by the, by the flesh or by the spirit? And then, of course, the miracles that among you, did they come by the law or by faith? So verses 6 to 14 and let's read responsibly tonight. Let's read verses 6 through 14. I'll let you remain seated, please. And um, read, read the odd-numbered verses with me, please. Galatians 3, 6 through 14, reading responsibly. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. For it, is cursed, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come from the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so verse number one, the first of three arguments, we see the personal argument given in six logical questions. We get to verses six through 14, and Paul reverts to, he's talking to a uh, uh, mixed audience, but uh, definitely Jews that are in this audience. And he gives the scriptural argument, the scriptural argument. And he refers back to the Old Testament, six Old Testament passages of scripture. And we see verse number six again, and let's begin now. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, that word accounted is the word, and the word reckoned is usually the same word as this Greek word for accounted here. Is the word logizomai, logizomai. We get our word, several words from that. We get the word logic from. This it's an accounting term, logizomai. It adds up, it computes properly. And the Bible says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So number one on our worksheet, Abraham was saved by faith. Now I want you to turn, keep a bookmark so we can get back fairly quickly, but go to Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15, I need you to turn there. <clears throat> and we probably won't get too far tonight here, just in our outline, but that's okay. I want you to understand this. Abraham, the Bible says, and as Abraham believed God, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him, Abraham believed God by faith, it was, I can't quote the verse all of a sudden, verse number six. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. I'm referring to Genesis chapter 15, verse number 6. It's quoted in, in verse number 6 of chapter 3 of Galatians. But I want you to notice that as we look at this faith that Abraham had, God came to him in verse number 1 of Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying... Now, by the way, the Lord came to Abraham... Abraham didn't come to the Lord. The Lord came to Abraham. And we could go back to Genesis 11 and 12, and God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees. Abraham was 75 years old. He wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for him. Remember, salvation is all by grace. Don't forget that. And he came to Abraham in a vision. It wasn't that Abraham was even looking for a vision. He said, fear not, Abraham. Notice how many times God says, fear not, when he comes to his children or comes to someone he wants to bless. Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, or Abraham, excuse me, said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine error. Now, by the way, we get to chapter 16, and Abraham loses his faith, remember? And uh, Sarah, they plot the plan. You know the story. Well, we've got to have seed. God said we're going to have a child, offspring. And Sarah was old, and she couldn't have a child, so she hatches this wonderful plan, and I'm being facetious. Go into my handmaid, Hagar, and we know the rest of that story. And uh, Ishmael's born, of course. Well, this was not the seed that the Jehovah God promised. It says, verse number 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine error. Uh, he thought maybe Eliezer could be his surrogate father. Uh, and, uh, but he shall that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine error. He's an old man now. He's 75 and he's going to give birth. He's going to, you know, Isaac is going to be born 25 years later at, at, at uh, 100 years of age. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell me, tell the number of stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So, so shall thy seed be. And so I want you to notice that it says, uh, verse number six now, and he, that's Abraham, Abram, believed in the Lord. He believed, the, he believed in the promised seed, and he, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Salvation, Old Testament, New Testament, is always by faith. Galatians, or rather, Ephesians 2.8, we all should be able to quote this verse by now. Let's try it together, ready? For by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, verse 9. Now, I, I don't have time to, I, I'm going to take a little bit of time, I should say. We could spend a whole rest of the message, park right here for the rest of the message. But I don't want to confuse you, but salvation is always by the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes preachers say, and I've said this before, and, and simplistically, it's, there's truth in the statement, but when we dig a little bit deeper, we've got we to amend our, our verbiage and our doctrine when we say, we are saved today in the New Testament era by looking backward to Christ. The Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to Christ. Well, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, right? That he shall stand. Now, I don't, I don't want to go into this too deep because it would be another whole Bible study, but there are preachers, and I talked to many Baptist preachers, and I thought, well, the Old Testament saints, they had to look forward to see the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and believe in Jesus. They saw far off. They saw through glass darkly. Even the disciples, for the record, they did not understand when Jesus told them at least three times point blank in the Gospels, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, fellas. This is Marty Shot slaying. Uh, and I'm going to be crucified. And the third day I'm going to rise again. Right over the top of their heads. And they walked with Jesus for three, three years. They didn't see it. And remember the two disciples on the Emmaus Road? God called them. Jesus said, oh, the fools and slow of heart. How is it that you have not believed all that the prophets have said uh, regarding 
the fact that I would die and be buried, the Son of Man would be died, be buried, and rise again the third day. They were very blinded to it. Now, what I'm trying to say is, Abraham saw, he was saved by Christ, if you will. Old Testament people were saved by Christ. Nobody gets saved without being, Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. I do need to preach a whole message on this to, to unwrap this, because this is pretty hard, heavy-duty stuff. But just for the record, Abraham, with the limited amount of faith that he had, he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed in the promised seed, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And it's, salvation is always by faith, albeit limited faith. Somebody, oh, somebody we talk about a mustard seed of faith. Aren't you glad you don't have a mountain load of faith to be saved? You can have just a mustard seed of faith, and you can be saved. Faith like a child. So Abraham, hope I haven't confused you here, but uh, Abraham was saved by faith and was accounted to him for righteousness. That's the fill in blank word, the word accounted. And uh, one more time, verse 6 of Genesis 15. And he believed in the Lord. He believed in, that's Jehovah, all those capital letters, L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah. And he counted it to him for righteousness. He believed that in the, the promise that the seed would come through his, his lineage and through his bowels and he believed that and it was counted and God counted him, accepted him and counted him as righteous. Now I want you to go please to Romans chapter 4 and let's look at the cross reference verses that's expounded upon in detail in verse number 1 through 8 and then verse 11 and we might not get any further than believe it or not this far tonight here because this is pretty again heavy duty material. It says in Romans 4, verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Now Paul's setting up here. He's setting, I mean, Romans is a more elongated version of Galatians. And he's expanding upon this idea that Abraham wasn't saved by his works. He was saved by faith. Nobody gets saved by works. Some people think that in the Old Testament they got saved by works. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. How foolish it is to think that you get saved by works in the Old Testament and saved by grace in the New Testament. That's ridiculous. That's that's uh, uh, complete absurdity, of course. But there are people that believe in that. But it goes on to say this, Romans 4.2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereth to glory, but not before God. Of course Abraham wasn't justified by works. Then he could glory in himself. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. Now they're quoting Genesis 15, 6 again, aren't they? And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham was saved by faith, by belief. How are we saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be what? Saved. I don't mean to belabor the point, but I want to drive home the point. Jonathan, even as he was telling me on my ears, you know, I had my phone and it's like, I was very... I was like, John, I wanted to say, I didn't say it, I didn't say it. You were saved before. I didn't want to make that mistake. You gave evidence of salvation. John says he got saved Saturday night. Who am I to doubt that? Who am I to question that? Who am I to wonder? My best response would be what I did was to rejoice with him, be thankful, praise the Lord for his goodness. Abraham believed God. It was counted for righteousness. Verse number for now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. 
But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Nothing I can do can save me. I just must put my faith in Christ. I cannot earn it in any way. I can't pay for it. I can't just keep going to church and that'll be good enough. I can't just go through the motions. No. Even as David, verse number six, also describeth the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth. There's that word imputed again. That's the word legitimai. Reckons, or it's an accounting term. Righteousness without works. We're saved by the righteousness that's imputed to us by Jesus Christ. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin or count or reckon sin. First uh, <clears throat> John 3, we preached a whole series of messages on John back a year ago. Many of you were here for that, of course. Most everybody. And this is where, you know, the Bible says, he that... Uh, is born of God, does not commit sin. Those that are in the imputed righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ, we have, he, he looks at us and he doesn't see any sin. In the new man, the new, new Marty shot, I, there's no sin. In the old Marty shot, there's a ton of sin. But he looks on the new man. He looks on the new man with you. And he does not impute sin, verse number seven. But now, verse number nine and verse number 11 here. It says, Come, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. Now we could say in this case, in the context, does it come, this blessedness come on the circumcision, i.e. the Jews only, or upon the uncircumcision, the Gentiles also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And verse, verse 10, how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now you say, what in the world is this talking about? Well, we've got to go back to Genesis and figure this out here. But before we do, look at verse number 11 and then we'll go back. I hope I'm not losing you. And he received the sign of circumcision. A seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Now, I, don't worry. We're going to end on time here tonight. Just uh, don't worry about the outline. I want you to go back to Genesis 15 now. Uh, Genesis 15. Abraham is 75 years of age. He hasn't had Isaac yet. He's going to have a lapse of faith in chapter 16, the next chapter. And he's going to try by his own works to, you know, he's, he has a lapse of faith. But Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham, and I have to quote the verse here, I have to read it again, all of a sudden I can't quote it. And he believed in the Lord, as Abraham believed in the Lord, and in he, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Uh, newsflash. Genesis 15, 6 comes before Genesis 17. Before Genesis 16. We get to Genesis 17. Let's go over there. Turn a page in your Bible, probably. In Genesis 17, the entire chapter, but we don't have time for the entire chapter here tonight. God comes to Abraham 
And just skip down to verse number 10. Just look at it. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you. This is at least another 10 years has gone by. And he says these words. He says, verse number 11, And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. Now remember the words back in Romans chapter 4 about the covenant. It should be a sign, a covenant sign. I talk oftentimes about all the time when we talk in Bible study, we talk about churches that are covenant in their theology. We're going to touch on it again here tonight, here in the last minutes that we have. And they marry Old Testament theology with New Testament theology. Wrong. Was Abraham saved by being circumcised? No way. Look at the next verse here. Verse I'm in Genesis 17 still, verse 11. Verse 12, rather. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every male man child in your generations. He that is born of the house and brought up with money or bought, or bought with money or a stranger, which is not that I see, they all shall be circumcised. This belief in this circumcision for righteousness was so strong that when we remember, when we went back to the primitive church in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, they said, well, except you be circumcised, you can't be saved. And Paul and Barnabas at that time, as Paul especially led the charge, he said, no way, you're so wrong. And he and James and uh, some of the hierarchy, they were getting confused themselves. And he had to set them straight and they said, no, salvation is by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. This is my gospel, Paul called it. And, and uh, we get to verse number 20. So, I mean, still Genesis 17. Just glance at verse number. Um, so Ishmael, his son, he's 13 years old. Verse 25, he's circumcised. We still haven't got to Isaac yet. Uh, but then we get to verse number 26. In the self-same day, Abraham circumcised Ishmael, his son. And, uh, oh, pardon me, verse number 24 it is. And Abraham was 99, 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Now, why do I read that? I read that because when did the Bible record that Abraham was justified by faith? Genesis 15. He's a young man, relatively speaking. He's 75 years old. Now he's 99 years old. 24 years have gone by. And then he gets circumcised. Now you say, uh, for the third and last time, I'll try not to say it again here, but you, I think I'm losing some of you. You say, preacher, where are you going with this? There are so many churches that tie in baptism as a covenant right of salvation, that, that teach that baptism is a New Testament version of circumcision. I pulled off the web, website here, and in fact, uh, I wanted to read to you from a guy that says, well, let's not make a big deal about this. Here's, what, here's, here's the question that was given. Does baptism function identically, identically in circum, to circumcision? And it's a long article, and it would take me too long to read the whole thing here, so I'm just going to skip down through it. And he says these words here, just about three, three or four paragraphs in. Those who baptize infants believe that baptism corresponds to circumcision in several ways as a sign of the new covenant. And then he goes on to talk about the new covenant and, uh, and how that, well, you've got to be baptized. Many of you grew up Catholic, you grew up Congregationalist, you grew up Protestant, you grew up, and you got, you got baptized, right? You got, I mean, you got sprinkled. You got 
why, why did you do that? For, to wipe away original sin or to bring you under the covenant umbrella, the, the umbrella of protection, as they call it. This author goes on to say, others, I'm skipping down, others teach that children should be, wait to be baptized until they are old enough to believe and thus conform to the consistent testimony of Scripture that links baptism and salvation with faith called believers, quote-unquote, believers' baptism. The author goes on to say, this is my own understanding, though I respect my fellow Christians who observe infant baptism. I can tell you right now, this fellow that wrote this article is not a Baptist, I'll tell you that much. And here's what he, he goes on to say this word. He says, I say this not to begin a fight, but to help you understand how our passage about circumcision, and he's referring to Genesis 17 passage, that we just read. He said, I don't, I don't say this to begin a fight, but to help you understand how our passage about circumcision as a sign of the old covenant has had a powerful influence on, on how we understand baptism as the sign of the new covenant. Basically, he says, what he's saying is, I don't want to make a big deal of it because there's so much controversy out there in Christianity. There's some Christians that baptize babies, and if you want to baptize a baby, basically what he's saying, uh, go at it, uh, be my guest, I respect you, but I don't necessarily agree with you, but that, no. I'm saying it has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever. I'm saying it's not Bible. I'm saying that according to the word of God, this, this whole covenant theology idea that circumcision or baptism, the covenant rite of baptism somehow ties into circumcision. Can I just be blunt? When I, let me just be real blunt so you get it. It's a bunch of baloney. It's crazy. Your baptism, and pardon me, I'm not trying to hurt anybody here tonight. I know many of you were baptized as a baby. At the very best, you could say it was a nice thing. But I don't think it was even a nice thing, no offense. Because it's a misleading thing. It's a deceptive thing. Your righteousness, your covering, your has nothing to do with you getting baptized when you were a baby. It's, 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 it's really heresy when you think about it. It's not found in the Bible. Now, sometimes we talk out of two sides of our mouth, and I'm, I'm, trying, I'm explaining to, trying to explain, I meet people that have been baptized all the time. Majority of us had hands raised right now. Over half the congregation would raise your hand and you sprinkled as a baby. Two-thirds of you, whatever the number is. I don't know what the number is. It's high. In all our churches across, especially New England and around here. And I ask you the same question. You say, preacher, you got way off track. No, I didn't on purpose. I wanted to show you. Did you get any righteousness out of that sprinkling? Did you get any cleansing out of that thing? No. Circumcision was a, was a sign, was a token that Abraham had believed God. Now, when we get baptized, what are we saying? We're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was buried and rose again, and I've received him as my Savior. We're giving a covenant sign, a token of, we're saying this is what happened to us. It is a testimony when we get baptized. Now, go back. Oh, boy. Go back. We got. I'm going to wrap this up here in just a few seconds. Here, let's go back to Romans, Galatians, chapter three, and try to finish this up here and try to tie this up. You say, preacher, there was a lot, lot in just one verse here. We only got through one verse tonight, really. Abraham was saved by faith, and that accounted to him for righteousness, not his baptism, or not his 
circumcision that took place 24 years later. So when the Church of Christ, and I'm picking on purpose, so when the Church of Christ, I had a man in my office a few months ago, I told you the story. He didn't think I was saved, and I don't think he's saved. Nice man. Very nice man, as a matter of fact. Very sincere. He told me point blank that if I don't believe that baptism is part of salvation, that I'm, I'm not saved. I'm the Baptist. I mean, we believe that's how we got our name, remember? Of course I believe in baptism. I just don't believe it has anything to do with saving, washing away my sins. I believe it has everything to do with the fact that my sins have been washed away and I want to tell everybody about it. It's a testimony, it's a sign, it's a, it's a token of my salvation. Of course Abraham got circumcised. He, wanted to, he identified with Jehovah God, he, the one he believed in. But it had nothing to do with salvation. And so this is just, we've only got through one verse here tonight, Lord willing, verse number, Galatians chapter 3, verse number 7, verse number 6 and 7, I guess. And uh, we got to verse number 14. He gives five more scriptural Old Testament arguments against the idea that salvation is by any other way other than salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's period. And you say, preacher, and sometimes I even think, well, I really belabor this point. Hey, no, I don't. When your 32-year-old son-in-law that spent his whole entire life in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, as a, since he was a baby, when your 32-year-old son-in-law who becomes a deacon of a Baptist church, has led people to the Lord, runs the bus ministry, has seven kids and a wife, and yes, I'm starting to brag now, my son-in-law, when he realizes he comes to the end of himself and he says, all my circumcision, all my righteousness, all my good deeds are nothing. Paul said in Philippians, he says, I count them but dung. Now, just don't get mad at me, but if you don't know what dung look is, uh, you need to you know, do a little bit of research. He says, that I may win Christ. All those things are dung compared to faith and simple faith and trust in Jesus Christ. John said, and of course I was, I was starting to smile on the phone, he says, uh, uh, he says, I had a peace I've never had before in my life. He says, I've been, he says, I can't tell you. He says, so, he says it was a miracle. Yeah, I says, yeah, salvations usually are miracles. You know, when you get saved, that's, that's a miracle. And it's a God thing. And it's totally a God thing. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Well, on that note here, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, these are simplistic things, but Lord, at the same time, it's a paradox. There are things hard to be understood. Lord, so many people, millions, Lord, yes, billions of people, Lord, they're trusting in one form of works righteousness or a mixture of salvation by works and grace. They're in a performance mode. They're trying to earn their salvation. Lord, we can never do that. It's always by grace. It's undeserved. The heathen... Pagan worshiper Abram didn't, out of Ur, the Chaldees didn't deserve your grace, but you, Lord, you pulled him out, brought him up out of a horrible pit and set his feet upon a rock, established his going. He did it all by grace. In a vision, you came to him. He wasn't, Abraham wasn't looking for you. You were looking for him. 
Lord, we're not teaching Calvinism tonight. We're teaching the word of God, Lord, and uh, help us to understand that it's all by grace. But Lord, there's a human responsibility and we've got to believe. We've got to receive. We've got to tell. Help us to be about your business, telling others about salvation in Christ. For without faith, without, uh, how shall they hear without a preacher? So we need to tell people, we pray. Lord, help us to be about your business, we pray in Christ's name.